Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Uh, this is Max Rushton. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We spoke to Mark Donaldson, uh, match commentator for ESPN over in the States on the Euros. Huge Scotland and Hearts fan. We commiserated with him, didn't we? We absolutely did. Yes, Paul. Yes. Correct. Next. Uh, Tim Vickery joined us. Uh, there's a Blackburn player doing his thing in the Copper America. He told us all about that. And um, what else did we do? We spoke to... We spoke Philippe to Philippe Beauclair came in. Yeah. What a wonderful man he is. So we got a bit of distance from a proud Frenchman on England. So uh, here it all is. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. I, I'm going to uh, explain why I think Gareth Southgate is being very brave okay. at the moment. Okay. Right, because you know, the first 20 minutes were good there, and then the, yep. se- the next 70 minutes were a bit, a bit like, like the Croatia game. A, a good bit, start on yeah. the front foot, looking lively, and then retreating into themselves mm, a couldn't, bit. Couldn't remember anything that happened in the second half. Yep. I was asked, can you remember a moment from the second half? And I was like... Well, no, actually, I couldn't Jordan, remember a thing. The Henderson Henderson's disallowed goal, yeah, that's about it. That's about it? it. But the thing is, right? the odds are, we all know history tells us we are unlikely to win the tournament yeah. because we don't often win tournaments. But what Southgate has done is said, look, the, the, the best chance we have of winning the tournament is actually being defensively very solid and maybe nicking a goal. But it's a long watch. It's hard. It's not yeah. like you're not jumping no. out of your seat. It's not Denmark. And you're, and you're very reliant four. on a bit of shonky finishing, which out of context, because he's not been like that for West Ham. Southcheck last night. If that is Griezmann or if that is Benzema, sure. um, then that is probably going in. And then it's one all. And yeah. then they win the group, and, we're, and you know, which many people felt wouldn't have been a bad thing. I th- you did sense the Czechs were quite happy, happy that to result. finish second. But the they? reason I think it's brave is because if we go down. Southgate has decided that we either go for it, right, and we are more likely to lose. But at the end of the game, everyone will say, oh, we gave it a, great, a swashbuckling go. You know, it reminded yeah. me of me proud to be a brave lion because we all attacked. But he said, actually, the chance of us winning the tournament is better yeah. if, we're, if we're more defensive and more solid. But what that does mean is when we go out, unless we win the thing, mm. everyone will be flat because it will, yeah. will go out in a defensive way. Sure. And so Southgate is basically saying... I'm prepared to accept that because he'll get when it happens hmm. at whatever point Germany the he'll next get, one the next he'll one, get one slaughtered. he'll get slaughtered yeah but because he, we would have had three fairly three you know a couple of okay performances fine uh, one very flat draw and if we did go out to say Germany and we weren't on the front foot yeah. and it wasn't gung ho we'd say well what was the point yeah, of all yeah, that we didn't ever give it a go no so so exactly. I think that's brave actually do you right. do you see what I mean yeah I'm kind of with you yeah. 
but it doesn't mean it makes it any more fun no. to watch, does it? But when you look at the weapons we do have going forward, yes. Um, then I mean, we're going to talk to Philippe about this. It's going to be interesting to get someone. We're so close to it. It's very hard to watch. I see Rob Draper, the Mail on Sunday, has been watching games back. He's been tweeting about it. He said, I watch back England, Scotland, so you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in the cold light of day, when you watch it, it's a good exercise, I think, because yeah. in the moment when you're supporting your nation and you're watching that, you're too wrapped up in it, you know, and you can't dispassionately look at it purely as a game of 100%. football. So I think sometimes... You know, I'm not sure I would have wanted to sit there and watch 90 minutes of England Scotland again. But I think if you did, as Rob has been fine, you get a kind of different perspective on it all. Is there anyone listening who has watched the Iceland game back? Well, that'd be interesting. Has anyone done that? Do you kind of self-flagellate talks? But I mean, do you think yourself? (laughs) Do you think what I really need to do is to wake up in the morning, having seen my uh, nation humiliated by Iceland, and think I'm going to watch that back? Do you know what I've not watched? Do you know what? Funny enough. Because of uh, th- those kind of the, the, watching those games back, I've been considering watching the Champions League final again because oh, really? it's dead to me basically. Yeah. As soon as I left that stadium that night in will Madrid, you, will it was you start over. watching a minute after, or will you watch the first? I watched the whole thing. Okay. I watched it when I was full of hope. It wasn't even a minute, mate. <laughs> it wasn't even a minute. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to try and watch it back and just see because in my mind we had a little ten minutes when we could have scored one mm. and could have gone on to win it. Yeah. But I may be, I may be completely wrong. Oh, well, let us know. I would do it sort of live on Twitch. You could become yeah. a viral I mean, in the, sensation in the midst of a year. I mean, I don't know. It's not particularly I don't, you don't zeitgeisty, need, is it? Don't need another football match to watch. No, I don't, there are quite a lot at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, need that. I do think that. But have um, you done that, listeners? Have you gone back and hmm. watched a painful watch? Have you gone back and, and thought, you know what, we were worse than I thought, or we were actually better than I thought? That could be a club, could be a country. But if you've done that as an exercise, dispassionately gone back and said, okay, I can watch it now purely as a, as a game of football. I did turn, I didn't, Go on social media at all until half time and full time, and that it's, made the whole yeah. thing so much better. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew that it would, but I needed to force myself yeah. to, to do it. I know it's it, not, and it's not easy for you, Max, is it? Really, because you yeah, are very much a man like, who, who lives his life Instagram life cycling to a, work, a, a Tron like <laughs> way. That you are in, God, it's inside, so tragic, isn't it? Inside the matrix. See how many tweets I've seen. You, what a waste of! I could have read a book. I mean, you have you have um, on Instagram. You've you've had people watch you open a can of beans. Have you? I fixed a. I fixed a blind because DIY my DIY tutorials are really coming on well. yeah, yeah. I actually fixed a blind and there was a, a moment where it, I realised I'd done it and I you know I, I sort of broke not that I'm in character but I sort of actually you saw the real joy that, that I'd achieved it's probably the manliest thing I've ever done wow. was re-threading the blind into the blind. Well, I'm having the a very similar bits. problem at the moment, so I might have to give you a call-out charge. Call-out charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I call-out charge like 50 quid, and then if I do the job, 100, but no no win, no fee. With okay, me. fair <laughs> enough, if you the, can't do it. The Although do it. the idea of giving you a call-out charge for a job you can't do <laughs> won't be particularly good value. Anyway, we should, should we say, say Saka was great. Yeah. Really looked impressive. Well, Kane yeah. was much better than he has been. Well, I think yeah no he was and and it wasn't just about mate uh, you know he he got a bit more service that was a lovely ball wasn't it through from Maguire that mm-hmm. got him in and you know it was a good save by the keeper low down but I thought his back to goal Kane was better I thought his Much touch better. his touch looked better mm-hmm. even with players around him Saka was great and we'll talk to Philippe about this because he is uh, an Arsenal regular so he, he'll he'll be eulogising about him but it was interesting Jose's uh, column in the Sun today he, he probably feels. Uh, Jose feels that 
Gareth Southgate feels he does more defensively. And you saw that, didn't you, during the game? And it was that, you just knew. I mean, it led to a goal, which was even better. But um, Saka was back to goal when he received that yeah. ball. And in the Scotland game, that would have gone uh, straight back to Carl Walker. But to watch a guy turn and run at the opposition, you thought, already you were thinking, oh, this is refreshing. Mm. And of course, that it effectively led to the goal, was even better. But um, it was I am looking forward to. Uh, whoever puts together the clips of Jordan Pickford just standing with the ball at his feet, just with his hands out, going, what, 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 what do you want me to do? Yeah. Somebody, somebody, what do you want me to do? It's just there, isn't it? And he does, because obviously sometimes you want you want the side to to come and press, and yeah. then you go long. But for those five seconds, you're sitting there going, oh, just kick the, kick the bloody thing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Jerry says, I've watched the Iceland game many times. But really? I, but, I am, but, I am, but I am Irish. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's different. If you yeah, if, it, if it's Schadenfreude. Gab that, says, I'm going to do a doubleheader. England-West Germany from 1970. Follow up with England-Argentina from 98. Why yeah. not? I watched the Italian 90 game back. I mean, we did quite a lot of this, myself and Andy, for for fantasy football and mm-hmm. so you would watch old games back but you were looking for different things but the Italian 90 game England were fantastic in that I mean anyway this is it's like talk sport gold anyway <laughs> it's where we'll be yeah. oh why did Chrissy Waddle hit the post 08717 The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby Match Rushton here on TalkSport, building up to uh, the four Euro 2020 games this evening, which you'll hear on the TalkSport network. Uh, joining us now in the studio to give us a little bit of distance. We're all far too close to England's performances at the moment. A dispassionate view from a man who does uh, lived in this country for many years and, and loves English football, but still... Bit of distance doesn't uh, doesn't do us any harm. Philippe Beauclair, French uh, football expert, is with us. Philippe, good to see you. Very good to see you too. So, um, give us a tell us what you've made of of uh, England so far in this tournament. Maybe with a focus on last night. That bodes well, doesn't it? No, I am not sure. I have yet got an opinion. I, I, I've got an opinion of um, on their potential. Uh, I've got an opinion on what happened in each of the games, mm. and which I think is probably similar to to what most people feel, as in we've seen flashes of what England could be yeah. uh, in the game against Croatia, 
and perhaps even more in the games uh, that we saw last night. Uh, but I'm still uncertain because I think I'm not sure that Gary Southgate himself is certain about many things. Um, obviously, you know, when you have you change a team and you bring in two players who have such a huge impact on the way your team is playing and a positive impact, mm. what do you do? That's a that's that's a difficult a critical one, question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, like everybody else, I was um, really happy to see Bukayo Saka having such a, a wonderful game. Not a big surprise uh, to people who've been following for, for the Arsenal. And worth remembering, by the way, that his inclusion in the 26 was not something that was obvious at the start. And it was Gary Southgate's choice and that it was a fine choice. Mm. And, of course, I was like everybody. I mean, you know, Max and I have been, I've been talking about this um, before, but that Jack Grealish for me is the kind of player that you build a team around as a mm. playmaker. So delighted to see him play that central role. On the other hand, I do not really know what kind of England team we're going to see in the round of 16. And, um, yes, I, I don't know, because uh, we, we have... Harry Kane looked a little bit better last night because he had more service... He had a good chance, which some people say he would slot when he's playing for Tottenham, which is, I think, a little bit harsh on him. It was mm -hmm. not an easy chance. Uh, but I don't feel that there is yet uh, something which is in place. Now, you could see that as a pessimist or an optimist. I'll be the optimist. And I'm thinking, well, actually, he's building up to something. He's now got Harry Maguire, Jordan Henderson, such important players back within the starting eleven. Mm. He's had a confirmation through last night's game that he had in Saka and Grealish two solutions. Raheem Sterling, again, despite whatever his critics say, you know, is just there at the right moment, at the right time, and has scored now two goals, and two excellent goals. And, and you, I, I'm still optimist, optimistic, but what's coming next? My yeah. goodness. I think maybe you should ask me the same question tomorrow <laughs> or this evening when we know who their opponent is going to be. Yeah. Um, because it's wildly different. It's wildly I mean, whoever different. it is, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good team. It's likely to be France or Germany, isn't it? So you know, that yes, ask a very different set of questions than they've been asked already. Probably, uh, yes, of course, because you don't face the the kind of crazy gung ho three five two three four three of Germany the way that you will uh, face the not crazy at all four two three one or four three three of Didier Deschamps. As to the Portuguese team, so many changes are expected tonight. I mean, some of the Portuguese papers I've had a look at are suggesting up to six changes in the starting eleven, which wow. is which is a lot, mm. uh, and which would completely change the um, the, the tenor of, of that uh, particular Portuguese team with. Uh, the two defensive midfielders being changed with João Moutinho, for example, coming in with much more of a playmaker. Uh, with Renato Sanchez, that seems to be a third, coming in mm. uh, at, at, on the, on the right-hand side. For Bernardo? So Renato Sanchez in for Bernardo Silva? Or? Yeah, okay. in, in for Bernardo Silva, despite the fact Bernardo Silva has done the pass of the tournament so yeah. far. But and they're also thinking, oh, maybe Nelson Semedo is going to be taken out because he had a bit of a mare. He did, yeah. Uh, yeah. But he was left completely alone. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, so Again, and which is wonderful, I'm really quite excited about that because I don't know what's going to happen. I think that honestly, a between France and Portugal, a draw wouldn't surprise me at all. But neither result, neither of the other results would surprise me either. So, so England is going to be, yeah, I think the, all the whole camp is going to be watching those games at mm. eight o'clock and wondering. Do my you, goodness, do you think, Philip, it makes sense how how England are? Playing, you know, the, the, I was saying before the break, this the idea that the pragmatic approach, you're more likely to win the tournament if you are pragmatic. If you're France, yes. Okay. Obviously, that's the example that you will you will give. Yeah. Uh, that's 2018. 
in the case of England, I don't think so. Okay. I think the, the, the real risk for England is not to take any risks. Because I, I, I genuinely don't think that their midfield is as strong as some of the other team. Um, I'm not talking about the personal, individual qualities of the players involved. They're, they're very good players. I'm not saying that. I'm saying they, they, they could be overrun in midfield. Um, and like everybody else, I'm, I'm looking at the potential of this team and I want to see it express itself like we've seen you know, in flashes mm. over the first two games. Mm. And uh, I mean, seeing Bukayo Saka like, just going at people like that was wonderful. But then again, I don't know exactly how England is going to play because where do you put Foden in there? I don't know. Well, exactly. Yeah, if you keep Saka and Grealish, you don't play Foden because Sterling will play. I mean, Unless you play Grealish in a more yeah. withdrawn position and, and you go, I wouldn't say go for broke, but you use a kind of system which actually most successful nations use, which is to have a very creative defensive, so-called defensive right. midfielder. Yeah. You see that with Germany. You know, we've got Kroos and, 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 and Gunogan, for example, and we've got Pogba for France. These are players who can really, you know, dictate the game. Mm. And you look at the, look you look at the Italian midfield, you know you've got Marco Verratti there, yeah, who's a wonderful player. Yeah. But again, it's players who can dictate kind of attacking game from the back. You and don't I leave think, you don't leave Foden out of the match they squad because he's on a booking unless you plan to actually play him <laughs> in the true. round of sixteen. No. It doesn't make any no, sense. No, no, it doesn't. But then you know, Saka, then, the way yeah. Saka plays makes you have to question what you do because Saka. Took players on where Foden didn't. Yeah, and yeah, and was very strong. I mean, I think Jose Mourinho was making the point earlier on today in his column in one of the newspapers. I think it was in the Sun, saying that he feels what Saka brings to it defence, which is why he got the nod over Sancho because of his defensive work. The fact yeah. he does get up and down. We saw him in the box with a, a big saving tackle, so that that was key to it, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that's what we've seen time and again with the Arsenal, and that he's so versatile, and he could play on both flanks, by the way. Some of the, his best work for Arsenal has been on yeah. the left-hand side mm -hmm. with linking with Kieran Tierney, for example. Mm -hmm. So he he's going to be very difficult. Imagine if Gary Southgate were to leave him out of the starting eleven in the round of 16 game. Better get it right, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's right. It does that's put the, an extra pressure that's on. That's so interesting it? as well. When a new player comes in, we suddenly, cause we've got such short memories. Or, or yes. a, a recency bias is the phrase, you know, when Foden wasn't playing, we're desperate for Foden and then Foden plays. And now we're a bit bored of him now. You know, he's done it. He's had two games. That's enough for him. <laughs> let's have a new one. Saka's in now. But then if Saka has an oak, let's say we get the round of 16 and yeah. Saka plays and we win, but he doesn't have a brilliant game, then it'll be like, oh, Saka's no good. Then where's the next new person? I think he's played, what, five times for England and three times he's been man of the match. Yeah. So I mean, he, he turns, has stepped he up where Sancho hasn't yeah. for England. That is true. That's right. And as we said, he, maybe he, he, play him at right back. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, he is someone you can switch mid-game, and and you know, you can do that, can't you? I mean, he gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Arteta does that all the time with yeah. Arsenal, from the left to the right, from the right to the left, absolutely, and no problem. He, he's a very everybody knows he's a very bright young man. Yeah. He tactically is very astute. He knows what his job is. And he will immediately um, adapt to whatever is asked of him. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Michael Redman, the uh, excellent Irish comedian and Father Stone, he was in, in memorably in, in Father Ted, um, tweeted something out the other day. It's had quite a lot of traction. Mm. We thought we might get you involved as well. Uh, it, this was an exchange he had. Michael says, uh, taxi driver says, is that a Dublin accent? Michael says, yes, it is. Taxi driver says, oh, do you know a guy called Sean Corcoran? Such a stupid question, says Michael, when you consider there's over one million people in Dublin. The annoying thing is, 
I do know Sean Corcoran. <laughs> <laughs> it's really wound him up. And, of course, he got loads and loads uh, of examples of things along those lines with people sending those in. So Corker, somebody called Liz, said, on holiday in Connecticut in a random store, the shop owner said, oh, my God, you're from Scotland. One of my workers here is from Scotland. Let me go and get her. You're bound to know her. <laughs> so she's rolling her eyes. Uh, and then she came out, and I knew her. That's amazing. Uh, there was another one. I, I'm from Yorkshire, said Sarah. Got in a taxi in San Francisco. Had a similar experience when the driver said he was uh, Palestinian and asked if I knew another Palestinian guy that went to Brighton Polytechnic then moved to Yorkshire. It was my uncle. <laughs> it's a TV show in this. Anyway, we we did you we, we put it out? Yeah, I, put it out. I had one when I was on... I was standing in the sea in Bottle Beach, uh, which is on the north side of Koh Panyang in oh, Thailand, yeah. mm. when I was a student. I was chatting to this other backpacker. She said, oh, you know, I was like, I'm at university. I said, what university I went to? And she went, oh, do you know Spencer Craig? And I said, you know, I know someone there. I was like, there's like 10,000 people at university. Yeah. Who's my housemate? <laughs> that was quite a lot. Yes, yeah, so Ben says, by chance, my uncle ended up stood up in the queue for the big one, which is the roller coaster. Is that the one in Blackpool, is it? Or oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Next to his next-door neighbour. My uncle lived in Adelaide at the time. Neither of them knew they were travelling to the UK. <laughs> so they both flown from Adelaide, and they both end up in the queue. Well, it's not quite the same of do you know, but it's still quite the coincidence. Isn't I, it? The... I, I, for every one of these where they do have a, a link, I mm-hmm. mean, I had a cook. I was in the middle of Wyoming when I was about 20. I was, you know, and we w- went into a shop and heard this English accent and uh, said, well, where are you guys from? He said, we're from England. I said, um, okay, uh, whereabouts? I said, London. He said, do you know anybody in Manchester? I said, yeah, I know a couple of people <laughs> in Manchester. They said, but is it far from London? I said, yeah, it's a couple of hundred miles away. And uh, he went, oh, okay. So it's unlikely you'd you'd know them, and I said it seems unlikely. And he went, and he carried on serving <laughs> us. And then, and before we left, he went, Chris and Rita Johnson or something like that. And I'm like, <laughs> no, mate, you can keep you can keep searching if you like. I'd love to be able to turn around and say, oh, Chris and Rita, I haven't seen them for years. But I thought you're still punting. I've told you it's two hundred mile away, and I know two people there. Um, John says, I once went to a random bar in London to watch a Nottingham Forest game. I got talking to an Aussie who was also supporting the Mighty Reds. Turned out his dad was from Long Eaton and he was visiting his gran there the next day, living directly opposite one of my closest friends. Uh, David Priest, goalkeeper, has been in touch. Oh, yeah, well. Uh, Not quite the same, he says, but uh, this is David. Where did you work before, Seb? Seb. Chelsea and Hamburg, me, talks for 10 minutes about Frank Arneson, who was director of football at both clubs. Do you know him, Seb? Yes, he's my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Uh, So you can keep those going. Those ones that that do actually find a link, like the Michael Redman one that kicked it all off, and the ones where... There's, there's not a way in the world you're going to know these people. <laughs> yeah, we'll and there's this expectation. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Of course, Scotland uh, left the tournament last night, beaten 3 1 by uh, Croatia, who, uh, who turned up, of course. Um, uh, and Luka Modric, as everybody was saying, was was in that kind of mood. Very annoyingly for the Scots. I mean, when I watched uh, Modric, he was the king of the Luka scuff. He would often find himself in a position like that and drag it round the post. That was his party piece. We've subsequently seen that one in six he, he drills into the top. Well, corner. I think if you were built to build a footballer, yeah. right, of, of all the you know of all the parts of the human body, 
the outside of the right foot, you would take Modric's outside of the right foot. Yeah, it I think Karezma's is good, Suarez is good, but Modric, the outside of the, his right foot, is I think the greatest in the game. Because it wasn't the only time he used it. He put a couple, oh, of, couple yeah. of little passes last night as well. I, I've, I've got to be honest, I was I was watching highlights and keeping an eye on the TV next door while England unfolded. But what's it like watching it unfold from several thousand miles away? A proud Scot um, living in a country where most people don't really care. Um, not about anything, I mean about football. Uh, Mark Donaldson from ESPN is uh, a Hearts and Scotland fan and he joins us now. Hi, Mark. <laughs> Hearts and Scotland, I love misery. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you're inviting it on to yourself. So, um, was it easy to watch the games? Are they Were they all available in the States? Yeah, we, uh, we, we at ESPN have all 51 matches right. um, live on ESPN, ESPN2 and ABC and I've been commentating... Um, on several of them um, so far. I had a day off yesterday, so I was able to watch this as a fan. I've kind of become the North Macedonia correspondent <laughs> over here, um, which has been great because every, everyone's got a story. It was their first time. It was Finland's first time. Yeah. It was our first time back in 23 years. So, yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, living up here in the Northeast, big Italian population, big Irish population as mm. well. So, yeah, there's certainly interest up here. Oh, good. Um, I mean... You had that moment, didn't you? you a, you had the goal, right? And yeah. and, and and the the su- I don't know, you know, the, the footage we have, the super slow mos of the Scotland fans celebrating were totally joyous, <laughs> yeah. sort of like shock and amazement and joy all at the same time. And then McGinn had that chance at one-one. I mean, yeah. Croatia yeah. were the better team, but you had that moment. We did. We did. It's funny because uh, I came on with Paul and, and Andy after we came, got through against Serbia and they played a, a piece of the commentary that I did in mm. the shootout and I said, Craig Farley will no longer be the last player to score for Scotland at a major <laughs> tournament. And then we didn't score in our first two games. Because <laughs> Paul actually flagged it up. How, how do you know that's the case? And then, so when Callum McGregor scored, I'm like, thank goodness for that. You know what? Damage was done in the first game. I know England are through with three one nils, and you haven't been overly expansive. And I commentated on the Netherlands a couple of days ago, and, and they were great. I think you, there's no point in prioritising about what's most important. That first game for us was the game we had chance. We had 40 chances in three games. Yeah. We scored once. There's your problem. Yeah, no, that that is very true. Um, Craig Burley, uh, one of the boys of '98. Of course, you work alongside Craig. Have you what? Have you been working with him or watch many of the games unfold in his company? Yeah, well, there was a BBC documentary called Mr. Brown's Boys yes. that was aired on, we, on iPlayer. Well, yeah, um, we spoke to Colin we, Hendry about it and John Collins last week. We, we saw them. It's brilliant. It's really good. Yeah, so Craig Burley's interview was done by me and filmed in my back garden Yeah. Um, because it was the only way we were going to get him. And I was just so desperate for a bear to emerge because that would have been a really good <laughs> outtake. But it doesn't because they appear every other day. Um, but Craig was desperate for us to be successful, as as I was as well. And... I mean, like, you know what it's like? You exit a major tournament and it doesn't matter. Unless you get to the semi-final, everyone wants the manager to go. Uh, or some want the manager to go because it wasn't good enough. It's easy to say that after the event. I mean, we've got a World Cup qualifying campaign coming up. We've got the nucleus, I think, of a team over yeah. the next few years that, that can do all right. So it wasn't easy to, to, to watch. Um, obviously, Stevie Nichols over here as well, and he played at a major tournament. I just don't want it to be 23 years before we're there again. But I think with the players that we've got, I mean, I was impressed with Nathan Patterson when he came on. We've got Billy Gilmore. Um, there's a lot of young talent in there. I mean, I've kind of put together a, a team that I kind of think, I mean, goalkeepers, they're all in their 30s, but you've got Jack Hendry, Scott McTominay, Kieran Tierney, Billy Gilmore, 
Um, Nathan Patterson, Callum McGregor, uh, John McGinn, Andrew Robertson, David Turnbull, Ryan Gold, Shea Adams, they're all in their 20s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to take the positives from that, but I think we have to be a little bit more adventurous and pick the games that we're going to have a go at because we should have done better against the Czech Republic and it wasn't all about Croatia because, as you say, they were some play better team. I mean, I suppose the good news for you is, you know, Jenny Infantino wants the World Cup to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard not to qualify for yeah, 2026, it'll more difficult. isn't it? Yeah. We'll find a way. We'll, we'll find a way. <laughs> but I think you're right. Uh, I think... gave a way to Montserrat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think it'd be mad. Anyone who's calling for Steve Clark's head is no, it's mad. No, like, not, like, well, I've, I've not no, heard not no. I mean, it's been a great achievement. It is a great achievement to get that. You know, Serbia are a good team who you got through on, you know, on penalties, and you had yeah, your yeah. Ch- you had your chances. I wonder if I wonder if there's a regret in not playing Che Adams in in the opening game. Well, it's easy after the event, isn't mm. it? I mean, Eng- England are sitting pretty. They're through. Well, they're sitting. It's not been pretty, but <laughs> no. but they're there. And they, mm. They've got a chance. Um, Billy Gilmore came on against Luxembourg in a, in a friendly, and this is why you play the friendlies beforehand to see if there's anything that may sway the manager's mind. And he was excellent for half an hour, but it was against Luxembourg, and people were thinking, was that enough? Fortune favours the brave, maybe. Kieran Tierney out killed us. It, it, it really did. And I think, I mean, look, Lyndon Dykes, really good. Um, he's done really well for himself to go from uh, Queen of the South to Livingston down to Queen's Park Rangers. He's not quite there yet for me. Mm-hmm. And there was an over-reliance uh, on that. I think Shea Adams could have started easily in the first game. Um, Stephen O'Donnell played the third game because he was good in the second game when he wasn't good in the first game. So, I mean, for, for me, I'd go Nathan Patterson at, at right-sided. Um, we kind of have to play a three at the back because we've got Tierney and Robertson. It's the only real way to fit them both in. So if we are going three at the back, I've got Robertson on the left. I've got Patterson on the right. I've got Gilmore and McGregor in there. I've got McTominay who's, who's lurking. It's, it's we need a striker you don't have 40 yeah. attempts and score once that's that's the big problem so is there I a mean, young lad like, out there it, somewhere I mean in a Billy Gilmore equivalent up front as the Beano probably would have called him Harry McCain is there someone <laughs> is there someone like that mark out there do you know of well, Kevin, Kevin Nesbitt came off the bench. I mean, I still don't want to rule Lee Griffiths out. I know he's 30 now, but mm. if Postacoglu can get him firing again at Celtic, he's a threat. You know what he did against uh, against England with the with the free kick? So he's still there, but but not really is the problem with Shankland and Burke and McBurney, but there's no real kind of one that you think yeah. that'll do for us. So, so that's an issue going forward, but... Why not just play the one up top? I mean, to be honest, if the Euros had been last year when they were meant to be before the pandemic, we wouldn't have had Shea Adams um, in the team. And John McGinn hadn't really played for Aston Villa. So Billy Gilmore certainly probably wouldn't have been an option as well. So it's all about accentuating the positives. There haven't been too many for us, but hopefully going forward with the nucleus of a, a decent young squad, we just need to find a goal scorer. So if you've got any down in the Premier League or yeah. the Championship that you don't need, we maybe have a, a grandmother or a grandfather, well, just let us know. <laughs> well, cheers, Mark. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, boys. There we are. It's Mark Donaldson there with the ESPN over in the States. Yeah, it was a shameless team. It would have been great to have all the three home nations uh, going through, but uh, and it would have been good to see Billy Gilmore up against Modric yeah. in in yeah. that midfield. It's a shame. It? it was a it was a big loss for them, yeah. but and he's a lovely player. And I think, you know, like I say, you know, the, the tournaments are only getting bigger. You know, yeah. Scotland fans should have more tournaments to go to. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they changed the Euros at some point. You know, because this third place thing, people don't really like it. One way would be to make it thirty two teams. I'm not saying that's what I want, yeah. but that should help them. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport.
We're off to Rio now uh, because they've got their own competition unfolding at the moment in Brazil, the Copa America. Uh, Tim Vickery joins us as always. Hi, Tim. Afternoon, gentlemen. How are you doing? Yeah, we're not too bad, Tim. Have you been able to watch some of the Euros? Oh yeah, plenty. Oh good, plenty. Yeah, good. yeah. No, 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 uh, no sleep till bedtime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, not just me either, because obviously there's a there's a huge South American interest, especially from Brazil, because uh, at the moment, and Brazil play Colombia tonight, which might be interesting. But at the moment, Brazil are head and shoulders above the South American opposition in World Cup qualification as well. But they know that the real test is Western European team knockout stages of the World Cup. Ever since they won the World Cup last in 2002. Every Brazilian World Cup campaign has ended as soon as they meet a Western European side mm. in the knockout phases. So uh, obviously they've got more than half an eye on, on what's happening on the other side. I remember you know sitting down to watch Belgium against Denmark last week. And for the first 10 or 15 minutes, I think all of Brazil was thinking, well, how on earth did we lose to this shower? You know, how on earth did we not score 20 against them? Come the end of the game. They're thinking, well, isn't it a shame that De Bruyne and Lukaku aren't Brazilian? Because if they were, they go straight into the team, both of them. Do you know what's interesting? It must be good, actually. I was just thinking about the timings of it. Because when by the time the Copa America games are on here, you think, well, it's the middle of the night. Whereas for you, I guess, what is it, like an eight or nine o'clock start for the first games? You get them through the day and then you get your Copa America games. Yeah, it's almost too much. Uh, <laughs> and the, the Copa America game is actually quite early, most of them. It's like six o'clock and then nine o'clock. Okay. So you just go straight through, you know, and you, the Euro games are like one and four, and then it just goes straight in. You know, and sometimes it's just too much. <laughs> take it away. It's too much. Now we've got a little bit of Stoke and Blackburn in the Chile team, though, haven't we? And uh, we, we've all been celebrating the goal by uh, Chile's new hero. Yeah, Ben Brereton, mm. or as he's got on his shirt, just to make him a little bit more local. Ben Brereton Diaz. Uh, <laughs> just to put him in a context that the Chileans can understand. So he's got his mother's name there on the on the back of his shirt. Don't think he speaks Spanish uh, or doesn't speak very much. He's in the worst place to learn it as well because Chilean Spanish is, is notorious around the rest of the continent for being incomprehensible. <laughs> and they make a big thing, the Chileans, of singing the national anthem. And then the music ends and they'll carry on a cappella. And he obviously doesn't know the words. So he has to, oh. I feel very sorry for him during the national anthem because he has just has to stand there and look as solemn as, he's, as he possibly can. <laughs> but he's, he's doing very well. He got his first run out last few minutes against Argentina when he looked interesting. And then he scored the only goal against Bolivia. And he made their goal in uh, in uh, the last one, the, the draw against uh, against Uruguay and he's he's providing youth and energy and, and and thrust and pace and things that Chile badly badly need so he's a he's a new hero in Chile he's he's booked in for bed and breakfast now it was a good finish wasn't it was it? a good I finish because he took it early didn't he I mean it was a, a they, and the, it, it was it's a bit of a bizarre world when you've got Ben Brereton being jumped on by a tour over Dow it all looked a bit weird <laughs> Well, you know, it's the kind of thing that happens all the time in club football, isn't it? When you've got 15 different nationalities in, in, in yeah. the dressing room. Um, but it's nice to see, because uh, he, he's obviously, despite his limited communication skills with the rest of the team, and the fact they have to stay in individual rooms, mm. um, which it must make it difficult. But it was nice to see that reaction from the other Chile players when he scored the goal. Is, because, um, uh, they were all delighted for it. Yeah. Is, is John Bosasio still turning out for Chile? He must be about 47. <laughs> They've just left him out of the squad. Oh, oh, what a blow. He was in the squad for World Cup qualifiers uh, just before the tournament. So uh, perhaps they're thinking, yeah, at this age, he probably needs a rest before we bring him back, mm. you know, for the World Cup of 2034. Uh, can you remind me of the uh, the format? Because there's lots of talk about this format being a bit bloated in, in the Euros, but it's, it's two groups of five and then what, eight go through? Is that right? 
That's right. So we only lose one from each of the two groups. Right. So it, 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 oh, it, it drags. <laughs> it drags like a, like a dreary Wednesday. And you've got to work pretty hard to, uh, to, to, to get knocked out. And Bolivia are kind of stoned on, I think, to get knocked out of one of the groups. The other group, it could be Venezuela, who've done very well despite having the, almost the entire team went down with COVID. Um, they've played with dignity to get a couple of draws. Could be Peru, could be Ecuador. Um, so there's a little bit of drama there, but the real thing will start when the knockout stage starts. And suddenly, just like you find with the Euros, you know, the whole emotional tone is completely different. Um, and uh, you know, especially over here, because our quarterfinals have no extra time. It straight depends if it's level oh, at 90 wow, minutes. Wow, I like that. So, mm. uh, you know, from, from the point of view of the weaker sides, you kick off the game winning nil-nil, you know, just kind of running the clock down and, and, until you get to penalties. So it'll be interesting to see how the sides, in the Euros as well, you know, the likes of Italy, you've been getting all these headlines and winning all the games. Suddenly, when you can go out today, you know, that, that puts the whole thing mm. in a different econo mm. uh, uh, emotional context. A um, couple of transfer stories. Felipe Coutinho, mm. looks like Barcelona will offload him. A uh, couple of teams in the Premier League showing an interest in him. Yeah, uh, and Barcelona, that, that was a foolish piece of business. They paid an absolute fortune on someone they didn't really need. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, th there, there should be, because um, Barcelona, I'm sure, will, will, will want to cut their losses. You know, and they're paying, a they're paying him a fortune in wages as well. And the Premier League was where he was successful. Um, so uh, so why not? Uh, I'm very interested with the um, the Wolves newcomer, Yerson Mosquera. I don't know if you had any interest with him with questions coming in, but mm -hmm. that's... That, that's a deal that seems to be 20 year old centre back. Uh, and uh, I got a bit of history with him because I did a piece right at the start of the year um, 10 players from South America to look out for, 10 youngsters. And I didn't include him. I did put in Julian Alvarez, who's been linked, the Argentine striker who's been linked with Villa. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't include Mosquera. And I, I, I got a lot of flack from Colombia saying, how on earth can you, can you, can you miss this, this, this centre back out? And the reason was, and this is significant for our story, dear listener, that I hadn't seen a lot of him at that stage because Colombian sides are just making no progress at all in uh, international club competitions in South America. And Colombia, they should be a powerhouse. It's the biggest population in the continent outside Brazil, lots of urban centres. And over the last 30 years or so, it's been pretty strong, but uh, Colombian football, but it's the worst I've I can ever remember it. Uh, I think in part because of the rise of football in the States and, mm. and, and more Colombians being sold to there. Anyway, so I've, I've really had him under the microscope this year. Yes, and Mosquera. And the, the, uh, his backers are saying, it's the same club that produced Davinson Sanchez now at Tottenham. And his supporters are saying, this is a better version of Davinson Sanchez, oh. which some Tottenham fans quite cruelly will say <laughs> yeah. is not hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he's a big, aggressive centre-back. He's mm. quite good on the ball. Uh, and he's very, very proactive. So I've really had him on, on, uh, under the microscope. And he, he, wow, wow. I thought, yes, I should have probably had him in, in my list. And then, and here where the lack of quality in the Colombian League comes up, he played uh, in, in the Libertadores South America's Champions League. Uh, it's a bit confusing because he plays for Atletico Nacional, or did, and he's up against the Uruguayan traditional team there called Nacional. Mm -hmm. He's away from home in Uruguay. And Nacional have one of those old-style centre-forwards. Think Bob Latchford, you know, or, or maybe Mick Harford, a little bit smaller than Mick Harford, but that kind of bruiser, you mm -hmm. know, a tough. The uh, name is uh, Bergesio, Gonzalo Bergesio, and he looks like his face looks like it's been carved out of granite. You know, <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not great. But he knows he's been around the block and he just knows all the tricks. Mm. 
and it was a great game. It was a, it was a, it was a four each draw. But Mosquera had a mare against Bergesio because he'd never seen anything like this before. Right. You know, anything. Usually, Mosquera's been used to doing the bullying. Now he was being bullied. And, and, and Bergesio was fantastic against him. And his confidence took a real blow because it was the first time it had ever happened to him. Mm. And they had to drop him. And then he came back because of suspensions. And he came back because they switched to a back three and had an extra centre-back. But from what I saw before the move, he hadn't yet recovered. Conclusion. The potential there is huge, but it'll be very interesting to see how he deals with this step up because from now on, he's going to be up against that level of striker all the time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We do it all again tomorrow. The return of the birthday spread after a week's break and the celebrity special with Paddy Power. It's the game proper tomorrow. Absolutely. This one counts. Obviously, it's the, it's the only live sport tomorrow because there's no games in the Euros. So Perry Groves will be live from Box Park Croydon with Who's Ade. Aladipo <laughs> ahead to the birthday spreads and there'll be lots of build up all through the there day will be. yeah lots of build up across uh, from breakfast here on TalkSport I hope you can join us you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.